Today, I am joined by member and co-founder of the Durable Capital Group, Michael Kameski, and we dive deep into how systems thinking and some simple practices can really help build long-term durability in capital-intensive organizations. Welcome to the Durability Podcast. This is for those that are passionate about helping their organizations plan and prepare for the inevitable future. My name is Ben Parker, management consultant, chemist, creator, entrepreneur, co-founder, and member of the Durable Capital Group. I'm excited for you to join me as we discover what successful organizations do to build long-term durability. We explore the tactics and strategies that allow great organizations to combine the financial wisdom of asset management, the practical street smarts of the maintenance subculture with the real-world paranoia of managing risk to ensure their organizations last. We uncover what great leaders are doing from all types of capital-intensive industries to make good decisions, build strong management teams, and prepare to meet the future in whatever form it comes. This is the Durability Podcast. Welcome back to the Durability Podcast. My name is Ben Parker, and I am super excited to be with you today. Today, I have with me on the podcast none other than Michael Kometsky, who is a fellow co-founder and member of the Durable Capital Group. And I am so excited to uh, finally have Michael with me on the show to share some of his amazing insights and perspectives on how to use things like systems thinking to really dive deep into managing capital assets for the long term. Michael has been a tremendously strong influence on forming the Durable Capital Group, and he has provided a tremendous amount of insights and perspectives in helping all these pieces come together. Michael has been involved with the planning and decision-making processes for billions of dollars of capital asset infrastructure. He has been the capital improvement plan manager for the city of Boise, a utilities asset manager. He's managed a privately held uh, sewer district, then got the opportunity to help wrap that into a merger with with a, a public entity, as well as he is now currently the uh, chief administrative officer, uh, secretary treasurer for a large irrigation district here in Idaho. And, and Idaho, you know, water's a big thing in Idaho. So uh, we are so grateful to have Michael Kameski on the show today. Michael, welcome to the program. I'm excited to be here. It's really good to have you. I know we've talked about having you on the show for a while, and I think this this first episode will kind of help people understand a little bit more of, of your perspective and where you come from just in terms of your skill set. I should also explain, Michael has a, a background in biology. He has a, a, a systems thinking mentality, and uh, he loves data and details, so I think those are those are some skill sets that that has uh, allowed Michael to be successful in a wide variety of uh, of businesses and endeavors and organizations. And uh, it's one of the things that I enjoy about working with Michael is his ability to really um, focus on interconnectedness, if that's a word, <laughs> and depth. <laughs> so uh, it's been really fascinating to see. Um, 
So, Michael, tell me a little bit about some of your uh, your background, a little more insight, and then we can dive into our topic for today, which is really on asset registers and knowing what you have. Sure. Thanks for the nice words, Ben. So the you're right that my my original education training undergraduate was in biology. And one of the things that I learned going through that course of, of education and training was that events don't happen in a vacuum. And there, there are always multiple factors that, that influence outcomes and that influence what happens. So I, I really learned to think all the way from the the level of biochemistry and genetics up to landscape level and climate patterns and geology and millions of years of time timeline and how those things all connect together to influence animal behavior and ecology and ecosystems and why the plants and the animals and the flora and the fauna are the way they are and why it looks the way it does. What was interesting was that that, that training was specific to being a biologist, but the same kinds of thinking and, and the systems thinking that leads to being able to make those kinds of evaluations also applies to utilities and to private organizations uh, that are managing a complex web of assets and people and business processes that all need to work together to really be effective. And so I, I think what, what I've learned over time is that the being successful with systems thinking leads to being successful in creating durable investments. When you're able to think of the things that you own and the way that you deploy money and people and time and your resources in a way that's connected and holistic, you wind up with much better solutions, lower stress, more durable, more lasting. And really, I mean, I think that's why I was excited to talk to you today that as we start to dig into what does that look like for organizations in 2021, really what it comes down to is how do we connect all these different pieces in a way that the, the sum is the whole, you know, the, the sum of the parts is greater than the whole, it's so key, especially nowadays where, you know, we have changes in systems and anytime there's a change, you know, people begin to be concerned. There's uncertainty and and more uncertainty uh, can lead to greater opportunity for change and greater um, uh, benefit in a lot of ways, but it all, also can lead to greater risk. And I think that's one of the things that many organizations have to navigate nowadays is figuring out where, you know, where they're at and what are some of those implications are. And, and, you know, those are the kind of things that you know, we focus on in the durable capital index and, and the things that we do in the durable capital group to really help organizations across the board understand how, and what they need to focus on. So today, one of those things that I know you wanted to share is really diving into just the very basics. You know, if we're going to go step one of trying to, um, you know, help an organization understand how to build more durability, you know, what's what's your number one uh, thing that, that you would focus on? Well, thanks, Ben. I think that's a, uh, you're asking an important question. And 
where I would advise organizations to start is by asking themselves whether they can, they can actually tell you what they own. Can you tell someone all the assets of the organization and what condition they're in and how old they are and how expensive they are and how much value is really in all of the things that are, that are owned and used by the organization to deliver value. And I say organization because to your, to your earlier point, this applies to utilities. It applies to private businesses. It applies to municipalities. Um, it applies to organizations that use physical things in the real world to do a job. And that could be everything from pipes and backhoes to computer servers or even office furniture. There's an investment made to get a job done. And unfortunately, that investment as it's built over time usually isn't captured well in the records to do the additional jobs that you really need to have that that durable systems approach to evaluating the, the health of the organization's investments. So one of the first steps in being able to answer the question of what do we own is creating an asset register, which is really just a list of what the organization owns. And that sounds simple, but there, there's a little bit to it to do it well and to do it right. Um, so the first thing is, you know, I, I advise people to really prioritize that work. Don't, don't go through and try to inventory every paper clip and pencil and notepad in the office. Start with the big ticket items. Where, where are the big chunks of investment for the organization? And at least be able to describe those well. The second thing I would point out is that there are different purposes for maintaining a list of the assets of the organization. Most organizations have an accounting depreciation schedule, and it's a list of all the things that are being depreciated. And many, many organizations treat that as the asset register. That list is being maintained for accounting purposes, not for asset management purposes. (laughs) And tax reasons. For private organizations, it's for tax reasons. For public entities, often it's for GASB 34 compliance and following generally accepted accounting principles. They, They maintain that depreciation schedule. Well, that list does not reflect everything that the organization owns that's important. What it reflects are the things that accounting standards say have to show up on the list for tax purposes or other reasons. And so there's often a lot of confusion where if you ask, what is it the organization owns? Someone, a CFO or a controller or an accountant, will pull out the depreciation schedule and show the list of currently depreciated assets. So... Where that really becomes important is that you need to have an asset register, a list of the important assets of the organization that tells you more than just what accounting standards you're following and what's being depreciated for tax reasons. So for asset management purposes, that's so critical. I really want to know not only how old it is, but what was the original investment we made? Okay, you can see that on a, a depreciation schedule. But what's the estimated replacement cost? And, you know, where is it? Yeah. That's not on a depreciation schedule. Where is it in the real world? 
what's important about that piece of equipment or that asset. And so building a list that serves multiple purposes is really the, you know, in, in terms of being able to answer the question of what do we own, that's really the holy grail. I, I have one list that tells me what I own that's important. You know, I, I know that you've asked this question to a number of different types of organizations and and I have as well. And it's it's really amazing what kind of answers you get back. I mean, there are a lot of organizations who are, are not, I would say, as organized or as disciplined in that area. But I think many of them struggled to understand why that's important later on. And, you know, one of the things that I, I know that you know, just from from my own experience in the solar industry and the specialty chemical industry, is that it's 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 really hard to go through one of those projects. You you do all this work to build something, to get it approved, to get the funding, or you know, to get the market right, depending on what industry you're in. But but then it kind of just stays there. You know, they don't it doesn't know in the solar industry it was interesting because, you know, you spend a hundred million dollars on a on a big solar plant and, you know, you don't always go in and have your operations and maintenance group itemize everything and like really manage those costs for the for the long term or just understand what they own and what they need going forward. So that's I know that's super important. No, I've it- it's a great point, Ben, and I've, I've seen the same thing with especially other um, other organizations that are infrastructure focused. Often that oldest infrastructure that typically is the most expensive and difficult to replace is not captured well, right? Maybe it's listed as an asset, but it's listed with the same... Uh, same level of, of detail is something that's very new and, and would not be difficult to replace as modern materials and was placed well. And, you know, in the example of water utilities, the things that are in the right of way are pretty easy to get to, relatively speaking. But some of these assets are under, you know, they cross under a river or they run under a major highway or they're in a backyard somewhere. And, Understanding that that the number that's shown on the page that describes the original cost may not be anywhere close to what it takes to actually replace that asset when you need to. And so to your point, it's really an eye-opening exercise to go through and, and think about and look at where are the risks and what really when we talk about the value of the assets or the potential future costs, what does that look like? And I know you, you've talked to me a lot about this before, just even in terms of like replacement costs, you know, you know, real world replacement costs. I know I, I always tell the story of the, the town I went to high school, Preston, Preston, Idaho, that, you know, spent 50 years with a, a, a water line that ended, you know, well past its useful life and then didn't have a plan to replace it. And those replacement costs were significantly more than than their expected, you know, <laughs> cost as they went through that process. But and I know you've told similar uh, stories of of the the piping, the sewer piping, even on the bench here closer to Boise, where you know they were put in years ago, and then all right. of a sudden infrastructure happened on top of it. Right. So that that's a. Yeah, no, that's a great example. So the 
you know, a lot of the infrastructure in this country, one of the reasons we have an infrastructure funding gap, right, that you hear about it in the news and the discussion is out there. The, one of the biggest challenges is that at the time that that infrastructure went into the ground, so the example here, the, the sewer pipes up on the bench, uh, those were unpaved roads. It, it was unincorporated county. There were some houses there. And when that sewer system was originally installed, they were just digging in the dirt and it was quick work and it was inexpensive and it was really easy to do. And it was not a crowded area. You didn't have a ton of people that you're disrupting. And if we go back today to try to plan to replace that same pipe, since that pipe went in the ground, it's the lowest utility in the ground. Above it are, uh, you know, telecom fiber and pressurized water lines and natural gas lines and all kinds of other things that are in the way and drive up the expense of replacing that asset, including road paving and sidewalks and traffic disruptions for now is a significant number of people that weren't here when that asset went in. And if you're just looking at a depreciation schedule and some minimal number from the 1950s or the 1850s, <laughs> depending on which jurisdiction you're in, are you really understanding where you have cost and value in the system? So for something like that, it, it, you're right. It's a perfect example of why having a good asset register that helps you answer the question of what you own is really that important. That is super important. And I know that, you know, many organizations, they struggle to maintain that consistently, but it's one of those things that, that with a little focus and a little effort, you know, you can make a lot of progress. Like you said, you know, just to recap, start with the big things, you know, keep a list, maintain a register. I know you could get very deep in the different strategies to use that, you know, CMMS systems and then all of the different uh, asset ID tagging strategies and the color coding and, um, you know, even then tying in maintenance activities and all those other things. But I think just in general, that is a huge takeaway that if you can focus your efforts on understanding first what you have, and then second, what it needs, then, you know, you can, you can really help lay a foundation that then you can use for future decisions that will be um, more accurate and essentially less risky if you do it right. That's really well said, Ben. And maybe I'll close with one, uh, you know, that was kind of a strategic discussion. So maybe one tactical thought on if you actually go out and you're trying to create an asset register, what might help you make that happen? And so my very tactical common sense kind of uh, suggestion for people, take lots of pictures. There's nothing more helpful for your records than having a photo that you can look at when you're trying to figure out what that asset is. Because it's, a lot of organizations, you have so many things that are out there, it's hard to know which one you're talking about. And when you have employee turnover and the person that made the register is not the person using the register today, there's nothing cheaper and easier or a better investment than just taking pictures. We all have cameras on our phones at this point. Take advantage of it and just attach the photo to whatever that list is, whether it's in Excel or to your point in a computerized maintenance management system, a Word document, wherever you're storing it. Stick a photo in there with it. You won't regret it in the future. 
Great advice. And uh, that that's coming from experience. And I, I can uh, definitely appreciate that. And the biggest thing really is to just get started too. you know, right, get out <laughs> Don't, there and get uh, keep kicking the can, just focus on what you can do now and then, you know, keep building and making progress. So that's all we have time for today. Thank you all for, uh, for joining us. Michael, thanks again for um, being with us today and for your very candid insights and, and uh, thanks for all the help and insight you are as a as a member of the Durable Capital Group. And uh, thanks, Michael. Thanks, Ben. Enjoyed it. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to share with you something that has been super effective at helping organizations to really kickstart the conversation around how they're going to build long-term durability into their management practices. And if you stop what you're doing right now and go to www.durablecapitalindex.com, that's durablecapitalindex.com, you can sign up to take a very special assessment. This is the Durable Capital Index Assessment. It's a baseline assessment, and it'll show you exactly where you're at currently with fundamental best practices for building durability. And it will give you a very detailed feedback report that you can take and share with your team. So if you go to www.durablecapitalindex.com sign up take the assessment and share it with your team and really start that conversation around building long-term durability into your organization